the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 151 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. We're on Twitter, or X, whatever that you want to call it, at uh, Justin Hughes 365 is my account. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and our podcast official Twitter is at Baseball365Pod. Well, Andrew's first NFBC draft is coming along slowly. I think he just was telling me he's around uh, round 20. So we're going to switch gears given we I, I thought we'd be a little further along, and we're going to start a series that we'll be working on this fall with division discussions. And today we're going to be like ESPN and show a bias towards the American League East. And we're going to start off with each team in that division with questions about fantasy, uh, questions about major the major league and the business end of it, some real life stuff. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Andrew, since we are not discussing your NFBC draft yet, I wanted to give you another number and you tell us who went to that pick. And I just thought I'd start or I'd pick the nice even number of 100. So who went 100th overall in your draft? Um, that would be Nico Horner. Nico Horner. Okay, Mr. Speed, your own cubby. What do you think yep. of what do you think of Horner this year? Like do you think you're in on that price? Um, no, I don't think I'll be in. <laughs> Not um, enough power. I mean really really good year. 43 steals. I don't think he'll, I don't expect that to be replicated. But yeah, it's just in that spot of the draft. I mean, he should provide batting average and volume mm-hmm. with batting average, like get a lot of it bats. Yeah, he does not and should have at all. Yeah, yeah, should hit for a good average, but yeah, I'm just not in it. Uh, single digit homers or low double digit homers there. Three categories, basically. Um, yeah, that's three categories. Yeah, and that's production. and that's assuming the batting average cooperates, which it should. But we yeah. all know batting average can be a little weird. So yeah, I I should say it as likely three category because yeah, batting average fluctuates. But on the same note, he's one that you would expect to be higher. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll also admit I'll also admit I'm not the best at drafting batting average. Um, I try to. Keep close tabs on it, but uh, I I just feel like it's such a up and down stat that the minute you you fo- overly focus too much on that, you're short, um, kind of in the power and speed categories and stuff. So, yep, understandable. That's the one that fluctuates the most. Okay, so before we get into talking about the American League East, let's talk about some division series that happened this week. Andrew, you and I picked the same winner in three matchups in the division series, and each one of those we had right, and the only one um, one we had different was Atlanta and Philly, which you took Philly and I took Atlanta, and you ended up being right on that one. So you went four for four. Congrats on that for starters because that's impressive, especially whenever one of them is the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't feel like I've ever been more right as I have on the playoffs so far this year. It's crazy. I, I feel like I never get it right. So 
Yeah. Maybe it was just because I went with upsets. I don't know. It's a, it's a crapshoot in October, but, you know, I think the thing you went with, which makes your predictions look good, is you went with the teams that had the pitching that seemed to be lined up and healthy. Um, the better the better pitching, really, I think for the most part, you went with with a lot of these series. I, I know that's why you picked Philly. We talked about last week, both of us taking the Diamondbacks over the Dodgers because the Dodgers pitching seemed beaten up, and that's kind of what happened. Um, none of these series went five games, and no wild card series went three games. So we still haven't had a winner take all game. This it's felt a little anticlimactic to me so far. I mean, have you felt that way? Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I I thought the Philly Atlanta series was pretty entertaining and. I don't know, just interesting to see Arizona sweep the Dodgers. I, I feel like it's been all right. Yeah, the the Philly-Atlanta series I do think felt like the real exception. And Houston and Minnesota was had some fun too, especially with Correa facing his old team. I thought that was, those were real good. Do you have any other takeaways from the division series? No, not really. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next round. I think that they're both pretty good matchups. Yeah. Um, really, especially Philly. I mean, they're both great, but Philly, Arizona is such a different type of matchup. I just think it's fun. Really yeah. fun. Uh, what's really cool about this, I mean, you got Houston in there, and they've been there a lot the last six, seven years. But the other three teams, you know, Philly was just there last year, but, I mean, they haven't won a world. Like, they, they're just now getting into this spot. Um, and then you have Arizona, who... I don't know if they've been in a championship series since they won the World Series in 2001. Something I was meaning to look up, but I never did. I can't remember a time where they were. I think I heard 2006 or seven, maybe. Okay. Or maybe that was for the round that they just won. I can't remember. But. That, I, I remember them playing the yeah, Cubs I'm not in sure. like 2006 or eight. I remember them having a series with the Cubs back then, but... I thought I, I don't even remember who won that series back then, but it's been a while. Um, so one last question for you. You know, some fans are up in arms over the teams that fin- finished the year strong in the standings and had a bye during the wild card round and having too long of a break between the end of the regular season and having to wait through those wild card series to where they had like five or six games off. Do you think that's a legitimate gripe? Like. I've thought about this a lot, and I kind of go back back and forth on it. But what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts, and then I'll give you mine. Okay, so I'm going to, like, as I do so often, I, I tend to, like, think of arguments for both sides and think that both of them feel pretty legitimate. Like, for this, you know, it, baseball is an everyday game, and I think about pitchers who usually start every five days or relievers who go too long between outings, and all of a sudden they go out there and, like, they, I've seen them so many times get wrecked because they've had a little too much time off. I think that there's some legitimacy to that. But on the same note, if those teams have the option of playing a series where you could get eliminated or take the bye and take the rest for five days, I think they're always going to take that. To what, I don't know. I think I would rather it be a best-of-one wild card round. I think I would. I think it would make those games better. 
but there's you know it's hard to imagine them going back so that's me flip-flopping a lot there but that's my thoughts yeah so i think as far as it being a legitimate gripe about the layoff or um does it affect these teams negatively i think it's possible that it does uh i don't want to I don't want to act like I'm 100% sure that it doesn't. But I do think that it could just be narrative because it has just happened to recently affect these teams. Recency bias, yeah. Right, right. Uh, And I go back to what I've talked about for years and years about the game of baseball. And it is a random game. It, we mm-hmm. they play they play 162 games and i was actually thinking about this this morning so they play 162 games right these series that just ended are best of 5 5 games is 3% of 162 so one thing that i kind of comped to or thought about was you know, as baseball fans, we all know that you need large samples. You need time for things to even out to get like a real perspective on what's going on. So I looked at all the qualified hitters for the batting title this season, and the median for at bats was 550. So, like a normal full season of at bats, 550 at bats, right? Mm-hmm. 3% of 550 is 17 at bats. So think about judging a hitter off of 17 at bats. And it's, and that's kind of like judging the Dodgers or the Braves or the Orioles for losing this series. You know, like there's so much randomness with the game that happens day to day. I mean, the last series that the A's played the Astros and I use the A's because they're the worst team in the league. They won two out of three. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they're better. It just means that's what happened those three days. So I I wonder a little bit about it, but I guess that's kind of a long-winded way of saying that I think it could just be the randomness of baseball. And that's something that is just never going to change. I don't think that you can ever – completely get this where everybody's satisfied you know people love it because everyone has a shot but the downside is the favorites you know it's more it's more likely that the favorites go down when you shrink the the sample you know if they if they played a best of 50 or you know if they played that many more games obviously the favorites would would gain more of an edge Obviously, the hitters would, you know, move to their mean for batting average or regular stats or whatever, too. I just think it all kind of goes together because that's just kind of how baseball is. In a one-week sample or in a few-day sample, anybody can look like the best player on the field. But it just takes time for things to even out. And you're never going to get it exactly right where, you know, the – I mean, the best team doesn't even win the World Series most of the time, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just the team that happened to be the hottest. So to me, it's just get in, 
hopefully you're healthy because I do think that's a big thing. I actually heard somebody talking today about um, the Phillies and how – what, they win 90 games, was it, right about? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I think it was right about 90. Anyways, but how, you know, they didn't have Harper for the first month – and there's different things that happen during the course of a baseball season that, you know, the teams that do win 100 plus, they maybe had good fortune. And the, then the teams that didn't quite, but they got in, maybe they just didn't have quite as good a fortune like early on or midseason or whatever. But I think it's almost the smart way to go about it is once you know you're in, kind of just set your team up, load management, whatever you want to call it. But um, you want to be healthy in the playoffs with all your with all your guns firing. So, and you know, the teams that did get eliminated that a lot of that we're hearing the most complaints about. You know, I think of teams like um, the Dodgers. I I don't know if I've heard as much out of them. I've heard it. I've heard it from seeing like on Twitter. I've seen it more from Braves fans. And you know, the Braves and Dodgers I'm gonna to lump together here because both of them limped into the playoffs with their pitching. And it's I I don't blame yeah. either organization. They both had bad luck. Kershaw got hurt at the end of the year. They maybe they were hoping they would have um Bueller, Bueller back and he would be ready to go and, and like pitching at a high level by then or some whatever else. It just didn't work out for them. Braves lost Morton. They uh, let's see, who like Ian Anderson? I think not Ian Anderson. Um, Kyle, Kyle Wright. Wright. Kyle Wright. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think they were counting on Ian Anderson much, but Kyle Wright, you know, was supposed to be a big arm for them this year, and it just it didn't work out. And even out. even like Freed wasn't himself. Yeah. I mean, he was coming off of a layoff, and I mean, they really just had Strider at the end. I mean, pretty much. So yeah, uh, and it happened to both of them. Now the Texas Rangers, you could say the same thing about, but. They just managed to at least hit their way in, and they weren't. They didn't run into some buzzsaw pitching like um, the the Phillies did. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, the Braves did with Philly. So, you know, yeah. the, my other thought. It's wild as you're talking about, you know, the randomness, especially these days. And you're the same age I am, and remembering that when we were kids, like it's crazy to think that there were two teams that made the playoffs out of each conference. And then, so they basically had one best of seven, and then they had the World Series to where if you made it in, you had a one in four shot. <laughs> right. Different game, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not opposed to the way that they do it now um, necessarily. I mean, there's probably tweaks you could make, but then probably wouldn't like something about that too. I'm mostly fine with it, but you also just have to know going in that that's what the game is, you know? It, and in a three out of five, even in a four out of seven, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Like anything, and you can you can put any random two teams in baseball, and those could just be the days that the hits fall in, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I definitely prefer it the way it is over the way it was, just because, especially as the payrolls have continued to get wider between some of these teams. I think it's good that we're not because I I worry we would be seeing the same few teams in the playoffs every year. So I, I like that they've done it and it just, you know, more teams having a chance, I think is a good thing. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some AL East talk here. And I did this in alphabetical order and we're going to start off with the Baltimore Orioles. 
And my five, with all these teams that we're, we're covering through all five teams, and I got three main questions for them. I think I've got a bonus question in for a couple of them here. But um, my first question for you with Baltimore is, what on earth do they do with this glut of young talent? So before I cue this to you, I wrote some – I went and through their roster. and Just in their infield alone, they got Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Jackson Holiday is pretty much ready to go next year. Heston Kerstad is, you know, you can lump him in in either first base or outfield. Connor Norby and Kobe Mayo. Their outfielders, Kowser, Mullins, Santander, and then you got Kerstad mixed in there. Even at catcher, they have Adley, who isn't moving anywhere. They've got um, a catcher in the minors that people like in Sam Basalo, which, that you know, he's probably a trade candidate at some point if he gets close. But, I mean, will they trade some of these guys for pitching? Because they got a glut here. Yeah, they do. Uh, They have a ton of young talent. It's it's wild. Um, I, I don't know, though. I, I tell you, I, it really hit me when they didn't do anything at the deadline. And I just started thinking about, I mean, I, they, I guess they got Flaherty, but I, don't, I didn't consider that <laughs> yeah. that much, you know. The Band-Aid um, over a water spring, the water, that joke, yeah. the Band-Aid over the water hole. Yeah, I just kind of expected them to do the obvious thing that I feel like we always see and move the spare pieces for the clear need, which was starting pitching. And they didn't do that. And, I mean, their starting pitching was better than expected this season. Their pitching in general was. But I think this organization uh, and the way it's run now is so smart that I don't know if it's just a foregone conclusion that they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to have depth and everybody knows it. You know, it's like, it's just nice to be able to, you know, somebody goes down next man up and the next man up is actually a very good player. I mean, they have so many of these guys that are shortstops, but they're going to be playing third base, second base, you know, like once once Jackson Holiday comes up, I expect him to be the shortstop. So Gunner, who's actually a shortstop, will most likely be playing third base, I would think. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just better defense because of that. And you can kind of see how that just spreads to the whole team Once you, if you got three shortstops on your infield or something. You know, it's just... That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's just crazy. And I, I just think that they're kind of one step ahead with the thinking and the mindset. Um, so I don't know if it's like a foregone conclusion that they'll trade them for pitching. But I'm not going to say it won't happen. I, I I would expect that they get a pitcher this offseason, at least I would think. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean – Grayson was good, especially late in the year. Bradish had a great season. Um, they've definitely got some things to build on. But, yeah, just so much offensive depth. And I feel like they could withstand some injuries and still be okay. So you're doing a draft right now with this glut. Are any of these, like, I just listed off a young, a lot of hitters. Are any of those, like, 
you're being extra wary of drafting right now due to this depth? Um, I will tell you, I have drafted Jackson Holiday and Jordan Westberg in this draft. Really? Okay. Where did you take yeah. Holiday? That's that one. I, actually, I want to hear both. Where did you take? Holiday? I got Holiday in round sixteen, and Westberg uh, Westberg in round nineteen. I'm looking up Westberg. Westberg is Westberg is second base, third base. So nice flex. And um, I think this is one of those things with this team. Whoever's in there, you're going to want. I mean, you're going to want to use them. You know, it's obviously an elite elite lineup and stuff. So who knows? I maybe even uh, might even be taking more of them that haven't gone yet. We'll see. But, yeah, it's a great lineup and – a lot of good young hitters so so pitchers that they have under contract right now for 2024 you know they've got four right now grayson rodriguez kyle bradish dean kramer john means and i went and looked up their payroll on spot track which by the way i'm not an expert at this i'm tr- kind of trying to figure it out as i'm going here looking at spot track i could see a, a, a little more than i could see looking at roster resource but if I say something on here and you're like, no, that's not right, anybody, you or anybody listening, feel free to enlighten me on it because I'm tr- I'm wanting to learn more about this stuff. But looking at Track and seeing their 2024 payroll that doesn't include arbitration or pre-arb players, um, the Orioles have 11 million committed to players uh, next year right now. And I didn't tell you who, but do you want to guess who's the guy they're paying the most to next year? Of of the pitchers, you no, mean, or just no, in just general? Players. Um, you know what? When you did the notes, I'm gonna just be totally honest here. When you did the notes, I thought you meant the pitchers, so I guessed in my own head. Uh-huh. I guess John Means was my guess, and then I looked and saw that that was right, but only of the pitchers. And then I did happen to see the player they're paying the most to. And that is James McCann. Well, yes and no. Oh, Active players, yes. That? Chris Davis. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I was just looking at active players. They're yeah. pay, they, They've got. They owe Chris Davis five point six six million dollars this year. Yeah, James <laughs> McCann is the high for the active. I think it was at two million. Did you just say that? Four million. Um, I think it's more. It's four I forget million for McCann. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Now that yeah, I thought you meant of the pitchers who are they paying most, and I, like I said, I guessed um, I guessed means, and then went and looked, yeah. and happened to see the the list that was in order, and James McCann at the top. Yep, James McCann's funny. the only one that's like not in arbitration that is on their roster that they're paying right now. The they're paying Chris Davis five point six, Michael Givens two, and I think they've already released him. Uh, yeah, they they did release him, so that's it. So when I say that, you know, they've got there are two big pitchers that are out there in free agency that I, you know, as a Cardinal fan, I hear the Cardinals might be in on. And that's Aaron Nola and Sonny Gray. And, you know, I I can't help but wonder. And that kind of ties in to when we were talking about should should they go get one? It's like, man, getting a veteran to go on top of that staff with that team, it sure would look nice. Yeah, it would. 
Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction right now. Let's hear it. The Orioles sign Josh Hader. Is he a free agent? Yes. Ooh. That would be interesting. And he is that is the organization that drafted him. They did? Yeah. How did he get to Milwaukee? Because I, I just know him from Milwaukee. Uh I forget. I forget how he got to Milwaukee. I mean, he got traded before, like when he was in the minors. I I don't know exactly. But yeah, 2012 draft. Uh, Orioles took him in the 19th round, and he was an Orioles prospect there briefly, but came up with Milwaukee in 2017. And, yeah, I just think it's a good fit. I, I've been thinking about this because with, obviously, excellent team, closers should have value. And I was thinking about Cano and drafts and stuff. And, like, man, this team, it just makes a lot of sense to me that they would go after a stud reliever. And with Batista, Batista out for the year. Uh, and it may not be Hader, but I think that they're going to go after somebody and haters, the big one. So I can buy why not. Yeah. Why not him? But and um, yeah, he's from there. I didn't like looking. He's from that's his hometown is Milwaukee. And what I didn't know is he was drafted Milwaukee, by, Milwaukee or Baltimore, Baltimore. Sorry. Oh, okay. um, he was traded. He was drafted by the Orioles. He was traded to the Astros in 2013. Did you know that? Oh, now that you say it, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And then traded yeah. back to the Brewers in 2015. I had no idea any of yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't have remembered that unless you said it, but I do now that you're now that yeah. you're saying it. So, but yeah, I just I, I kind of am like I always think, you know, when I'm drafting this early, like, okay, is this guy locked in with saves and stuff? And uh if you told me right now that Cano had the job and was gonna like close for the Orioles opening day, like he was the closer, I would have been far more aggressive on him in this draft but i mean any everybody would have i guess so he would have just went higher you know but i think that that's a, just a team that it makes sense to get a closer that's more established and i mean batista's out for a year that was that's a strength of your team i don't i don't see why they wouldn't want to strengthen it even more yeah, the team's already shown that they like having a real strong bullpen. Kind of, yeah. It it honestly that reminds me of the Kansas City Royals from the 2014 to 2016 run, where they had okay pitching. I mean, they had good pitchers, but they 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 didn't have the best roster in the playoffs for pitching. It was their lineup, and it was an ins- a really really good bullpen where they had a good seven eight nine to really shut yeah. it down. It feels very similar to that. All right, last question on them. Um, 2024, let's put up Grayson Rodriguez up against Bradish. Both, you know, Grayson had the strong second half. Bradish had the fantastic year. Who goes sooner? Who's got the better ADP going sooner at the end of this offseason? And do you agree with that prediction? Uh, I think they actually went in the same round in my draft now. Really? I think that close? Yeah, I think Grayson's going to go higher. He went higher in in the draft, but I mean, like I said, same round. Um, and yeah, I would take I would take Grayson over. I think I agree, but I also agree that they're clo- they belong close to each other. Bradish, 
I thought I thought there would be a bigger gap, and I mean, this is just one draft. But I, I think there think... will. I think there will be. Like when it comes to ADP settling in March, I think they'll have a bigger gap than like the same round. I don't think they'll be going in the same round. Would you like? Let's just say they're two rounds apart in ADP. Do you think their value is two rounds apart? Hmm. Like, would you rather have Bradish two rounds later or Grayson? I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather have Grayson. Yeah. The, I just. I mean, it's pretty clear that he could be. I mean, he could shoot up to the top. You know. So he, yeah. I mean, it would and, not shock me if he's not the best that, pitcher next year. Yeah, like not that. Uh, not that Bradish can't have, be really good. I mean, he was really good this season, but. Yeah, I, I would. I think I'd rather have. I think I would rather draft Grayson, even if it cost a little more. I agree. Okay, let's move on to the Baltimore or Baltimore Red Sox. That makes sense. The <laughs> Boston Red Sox. Um, looking on Spotrac, their payroll was 184 million this last year, and right now it's down to 145 before ARB and pre-yard players. Which you know when you add those players in it gets it gets pretty close but that means they've got some money here to spend if they want to because they're still a ways away from the luxury tax so um just some notes of interest while i was looking looking around on that site they're still paying deferred money to many ramirez still 2.02 million this year he is making you know we always talk about that bobby benila contract i couldn't believe it when i saw manny who he was traded from that team in 2008, and he's still getting money from them in 2024. Did you, did you have any idea? No, yeah. No, I didn't. That's incredible. That is amazing. You do. I mean, the guy the guy could be doing, like, just collecting $2 million a year for doing nothing. Amazing. And Pedroia is making $2 million also. I wasn't surprised because that one wasn't as far ago. And I know that at the end of his deal, they worked something out. I don't know if that's what, what it is or if that was actually in the original deal, but that might be what's going on there. Um, Chris Sales on the last year of that huge extension he signed years ago. There's a $20 million club option after next year, which I wouldn't surprise me if they'd pick that up um, if he pitches okay, but uh, I think a lot depends on how he pitches his next year and his health. And then my last note, uh, Kenley Jansen's on a two-year deal, which I th- I did not know. So he's locked in Boston for another season as closer. And I think I like that. You know, you told me you took Kenley, and we'll talk more about it in this um, in your first draft you're doing right now. And knowing that he's already locked in in Boston, I, I think I like that trip pick even more now. Um, free agents this winter, just guys that are no longer under contract, Justin Turner. Corey Kluber, James Paxton, Adam Duvall, and Adalberto Mondesi. Thanks for the mem- memories, Mondesi. <laughs> um, how much did he? Well, how many games did he play with them? Did he play any? I think he a played few, a right? few. Give me a second, and I'll pull that up. While I mean, I can I can pull it up too. I've got. I just let's see. <laughs> he, no, he played, he played a few. zero. Oh, zero. He played oh, zero. Wow. Jeez, <laughs> didn't know that's, that. That's but funny. yeah, he yeah. played. 15 games last year for the Royals and then at some point when he was traded he never played a game yeah I think he was about to come back this year and then had a setback or something yeah (laughs) jeez crazy huh yeah Mondesi will always be one of those famous guys for us because 
you know, that first year we did this podcast, I think we ranted on the shortstop prediction or f- the shortstop preview oh, for, yeah. for about That's 10 right. minutes. And not That's only right. that, but that was the first time that I, like, it, it's happened twice in both the first year where we recorded, except it didn't actually record. So we re- we did that twice where we ranted <laughs> about him for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. That was like our first ever, I think, real rant. Mm-hmm about a player and we went on for a long time i yes, remember that i i should have clipped just went and found a clip of that because i've got it in in there and yeah just went and, yeah but then again that'd take up time 10 minutes yeah it was it was definitely <laughs> long yeah all right um question one just a simple one can the red Sox contend in 2024 and if so what needs to happen this offseason and during the year next year for them to get there you know, I always feel like with Boston that they can. I, I just, I never completely rule them out. Even when people are like, the Red Sox are going to be horrible and all this stuff. I never can quite get there because I feel like we see this where they're down and then their peak has been in the past world championships, obviously. Um, and sometimes they're just spread out and they tend to peak when, you don't always see it coming, but this team, it's going to be tough. I, the division is really strong. Um, I think that they're probably the least likely team in the division to win the division at this moment, but uh, a few offseason moves, you never know. Like, I just, I'll never completely rule them out, but looking at the team as is, I don't think it's likely that they win or or even make the playoffs. I pretty much agree with all that. Um, like you said, there have been so many years in the last tw- like twenty where they finish last, and then the next year they're in the playoffs, winning the division. We've seen it too right. many times, but yep. also, like you said, they're least likely right now, and there's a lot of really good talent in that division as compared to those other years. I don't think that it was as stacked as it is now. I mean. This might be the most stacked the AL East has ever been. Yeah, it's it, it from top to bottom. It's, I mean, when the Red Sox and Yankees are the two <laughs> worst teams, I mean, most like like right now, anyways, you know. And I mean, obviously that could change this off season, but, geez, I mean, when was the last time we could say that? And and I still, they're still like competent teams, you know, like so. Yeah, it's definitely the decision. The div- division is um yeah it's strong for sure yeah they'll have to pull some rabbits out though they gotta yeah and like they need pitching that's one thing that they really need and that's not readily available but you know how was it on this podcast last week or did i tell you after that we recorded do you remember what if i talked about tyler glass now getting traded um i don't remember if it was i remember you mentioning it i just don't know if i don't remember if it was on the podcast or after we stopped recording i hate i'm i apologize if this is something i already said here but tyler glass now signed a two-year 30 million dollar deal a year this last offseason and he was paid five million the first year and he's due 25 million this next year and when we get to the raise i'm going to talk about that a little bit or i planned on talking about it then but i'm going to now 
just because Boston makes a lot of sense, too, as a trade partner. I don't know if they'll trade him in division if they've got suitors, but, you know, maybe the Red Sox are able to get out there and make a couple deals like that. Even if it's not Glass now, it's somebody else. And then all of a sudden, you know, they might they can maybe they can pull it off, but they got to find some pitching in in trades. Yeah, they definitely do. They that's where I mean the offense is good enough mm-hmm. to win the division. I think. I mean it's it's very close. If not, I mean it's it's a really good offense, and you know they could add maybe even somebody in in the winter that is oh, going to yeah. help it even even more, but. The pitching is just a lot of holes. I mean, right now, Sale, Pavetta, Bayo, Cutter Crawford, and Tanner Houck. I mean, whatever you think of, yeah, whatever you think of those guys, like, one of them could break out or something. But they're gonna really need that, and they're gonna need Sale to stay healthy. And I feel like they're still gonna need somebody else. Like they just they need they need more depth. Um, and Kenley. Man, I took him in this draft, and it was uh, it wasn't a fun pick. I he's he definitely has fallen off some too, and mm-hmm. the bullpen is like I think he's going to get saved just strictly from a draft and hold standpoint. But um, I don't know. I I could also see it being a year where he just completely falls apart too. I think it's possible. Uh, well- so the bullpen has questions. The rotation has questions. But the offense is really good, and it's exciting. They've got Cass has had a huge breakout. Yoshida was solid. Um, Devers is himself. You know, I mean, they they definitely have really strong offense. So. And Rafaela should be up, probably playing a lot yeah. next year, and he'll be exciting. Yeah. All right. Question number two: Trevor Story. Let's talk about him. He missed the first half of this last year with an elbow ligament surgery. Like Bryce Harper, who had Tommy John last November, Story's power did not return right away. He played 43 games and had only three home runs, but he did chip in 10 steals mixed in there. He put up homers and steals in 2022, but he was a 100 WRC plus guy that year, so league average, and wasn't that good this year. So who is Trevor Story today? It's a good question. Uh, it's hard to know what to make of him because some of these guys, and I think Story could qualify for this, but they have such name value that I feel like it's really easy to talk yourself into him getting back to what he has been in the past. Um, and I, I think that he could get – I mean, not back to – peak peak Trevor story, but I think he could bounce back definitely. Uh, but I also think it's the type of skill set where it's not a, not a foregone conclusion either. I, I don't know. It's probably a really big year for him in terms of what he's going to be for the rest of his career into his thirties. Yeah. He needs a rebound. They need it. I mean, I think a lot of us were skeptical whenever Boston signed him to that deal. I mean, I know I was just because his last year in Colorado was a down year. I mean, for him, I should I mean, a lot of people would kill for these stats. He hit 251 with 24 homers and 20 steals in 2021. But compared to what he had done in 2018, 19, and 20, that was a down year for him. 
And now I kind of feel like that, I mean, like, he'd probably kill just to have that type of season again. That's probably like the, I almost look at that as like the close to the ceiling for what I think he might be. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm discounting too much, but I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm going to be buying in. I mean, what do you you know where he went in your draft right now? Where, where do you think you would take, like, where do you think ballpark you Mm. or he would or he would get drafted or you would be interested let's do let's let me see if i can guess like playing the guess the adp game 135 to 150 that's exactly where he went okay so he went uh he went sorry i'm counting uh 143 in the draft 10th round middle of the 10th round yeah, that sounds about like right for where he should go. Will I buy him there? Maybe, because you know he does have some pop and speed. He is back. Like I do think the power is going to be better. So maybe I he would. went he went back to back with another AL East middle infielder, Anthony Volpe. Wow, that's an interesting him or him right there. Because, you know, Volpe had the, you know, disappointing but still productive rookie year. And I think even if story is disappointing, it'll still be productive next year with the, you know, possibility of doing better. I think that's a really good back-to-back right there. Yeah. Do you have a strong feeling of one over the other? uh, No, not strong. But I think I would take Volpe. Yeah. I I I think it's just... I think it's just amazing that as bad as Volpe was, and he was pretty bad, he went twenty twenty. Yep, he was productive in, in his in his rookie season. He went twenty twenty, and he was, for the most part, not good. So, yeah, I think yeah, Volpe. Now that I'm looking a little more, yeah, I think I'd go Volpe. But I just thought it was interesting because they're they're both AL East. Obviously, we get to the Yankees here, but fascinating. But yeah, I would take Volpe, but I I don't think I would hate Trevor Story there if I didn't get Volpe. So, all right, question number three, Masataka Yoshida, is he overrated? Is he underrated? Is he properly rated in the fantasy game, that is? I think he's, so I, I will admit I was, I was wrong on this guy. Coming into this season, I thought he was overrated. Um, now I kind of wonder if he's underrated or maybe he's just more properly rated at this point. But, yeah, he had a good season. Um, and I think he's probably, like I said, just more properly rated. And I don't think I don't really think of him as drastically overrated. Not, not overrated anymore. I, I think, if anything, he's maybe underrated, but I think it's I think it's pretty much in line. You have an opinion on it? Uh not a strong opinion on that, but I you know, I knew he had had a good year, but I didn't have any shares. So I, I like this off season's allowing me now to really start looking into stuff like this. I'm loving that I get to do these podcast notes and really start looking at players and looking at production and seeing what I And when I saw his statistics at the end of the year, they reminded me of somebody. 
And that somebody is actually a teammate of his, Adam Eaton, who you and I have always long have, you know, we had years where we really liked him just for the productivity that he provided, like as a teammate. What do you mean a teammate? Did I say team? Wait a minute. I said Adam Eaton. I said the wrong. I said the wrong guy. I'm sorry. Um, I meant to say Alex. Alex Verdugo. Verdugo. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sorry. I was like Adam Eaton came out. <laughs> I was yes. confused. Well, to be fair, Adam Eaton was the same. Yes. <laughs> I meant so. to say Alex Verdugo, but yes, or comparable. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah. All three of them are the same guy. Yeah. And that's actually when you said his teammate. I I was thinking. Oh, he's about to say Verdugo. And then I was like, just thrown off, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Insert either, any of the three and you pretty much have the same player at their, like at their best. I think it's not too far off anyways. So yeah, yeah. I, I think he's a good player. Um, and yeah, I think we're, if, yeah, I think he's a good value to get, especially if you're drafting a lot of fluctuating in the, it, like you bought a lot of power speed guys early and maybe your batting average isn't looking strong. I think that's a good way to counterbalance it there as you get a, a few rounds later. I think he's a good player that can, you know, isn't going to hurt you anywhere. Not going to probably not yeah. going to be th- like blowing up the home runs and stolen bases, but I think it's just good five category production. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, he's not likely to hurt you anywhere, but, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be in on him. I mean, not crazy uh, power or speed, but he's definitely a solid real-life player. And honestly, overall, like the total package, better than kind of I expected, especially in year one. So, Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about the New York Yankees. Um, looking at their spot track, they spent $279 million dollars in 2023 and they finished 82 and 80 as we were saying that was it's crazy as bad of a year as they had they still had a winning record but um only the Mets spent more and also the Mets finished worse much worse but um I've always felt like a Brian Cashman defender I think he's gotten a bad rap with some Yankee fans but you know with the pressure he deals with in New York I think he's got a good head on him and if like I feel like a lot of times when rash decisions have been made, it's not been him, but probably pressure above him. But I think he's a good GM. But do you think he should have gotten fired after this year? Hmm, That's a good question. I, I haven't thought a ton about that. I, I've never, I've never thought of Cashman as a bad GM. I guess, I guess that's the best way I could put it. I mean, I've, I don't know if I've ever thought him to like stand out really, but I think he's fine. I think what I where I really like him as a GM goes back to about a decade ago whenever they finally started like he stopped getting so much pressure about just buying every free agent and you know working through the farm and I th- I think he's good at doing that of acquiring talent. And knowing when to, you know, let people like, I, I I love that he actually one of my favorite moves he ever did was in 2016 when he sent Aroldis Chapman over to the Cubs, 
and in that deal yeah. and then was able to just turn around and sign him. I thought that was just absolutely brilliant. But I, I think he's good at, at finding talent and like getting young talent and building around it and then buying the stars to, you know, fill up the roster. And if you, you can do that, it's it's playing sp- stars and scrubs, but also being smart with what you're doing with your scrubs. Like when I say scrubs, I mean the guys that they've got under cheap, cheap. And yeah, I think he's good at doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I've I've never thought he was a bad GM or anything. I I think I mean everything you do in New York is going to go under the microscope. But sometimes I wonder a little bit about. Boone, but I've never thought too too much negative about Cashman, really. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I know a few ca- um, Yankee fans that don't care much for Boone, but I and oh, I, he, I don't I he, don't have he cracks enough. me up. He cracks me up with those rants and <laughs> God, when he gets ejected, it's just must see, man. Like it's I have stuff. to watch those. I have to watch those clips. They're just so funny when he gets going. I don't have enough of an opinion. Like I'm not well versed enough to have an opinion on how he is as a manager, or if he's just getting over over. You know, people are just putting too much on him, or if it's he he legitimately deserves a bad rap. But, anyways, payroll committed to this next year is 189 million, and that doesn't count pre-arb or arb players. And I did go look at MLB trade rumors, and I found projected ar- ar- projected arbitration figures, and it has the players on the Yankees projected around forty-five to fifty, which would put them right near about the luxury tax threshold. Um, notable play- free agents that are off the books: Luis Severino, he's gone. Frankie Montas, who did not throw a pitch this year, but he looks like he should be close to. Like he was close to being ready this last right at the end of the year, and all Yankee fan, every Yankee fan's favorite, Isaiah Kiner Falafa, is also a free agent. So, after all that, same question I pretty much asked for um, the Red Sox: What does this franchise need to compete next year? I think. I mean, I think the main thing is health. Like, Judge needs to be healthy. I feel like they're – I don't know how you feel about this, but I think they're more likely to compete than than Boston, just on the whole. I think it's mostly because of their pitching. Like, their pitching's pretty good. And I I like the – I guess I should say I like the – ceiling that their pitching has like it obviously was a bad year for Rodon it was a bad year for Nestor Cortez um obviously like you said Montas is was out um but Michael King broke out Clark Schmidt was fairly solid and obviously Garrett Cole at the top so I I feel like in a year where things come together as opposed to the opposite, which I feel like happened a lot this year. I think that their pitching could be really strong. I mean, obviously this year Severino was terrible. I mean, they just had so much go bad. I feel like, and then judge missed a lot of time and Rizzo had the concussion stuff. And there was just so many things going on with this team 
Um, but yeah, I think that if they catch some breaks, they can be they can be a good team again. And I think they'll bring in a pitcher. I don't know who it is. I mean, wouldn't shock me if it's Yoshida from or um or Yamamoto. Sorry, Yamamoto. Wouldn't shock me if it's him. Wouldn't shock me if they go get somebody else. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll even grab Frankie Montas on a cheap deal. Somebody I think will be in there. But yeah, I think yeah. the big key for them is Cortez and Rodon. Like they need innings out of those two. They didn't get enough of them this last year. They need right. innings and they need production from them. And Michael King did finish strong, so him breaking out obviously that would help too. Um, question two: Will they play the kids? We got Austin Wells, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswald Peraza, um, Everson Pereira, Jason Dominguez when he returns. I mean, could you do you think that they'll actually leave roster spots for these guys going into next year? I think it'll come down a lot to what they do in the in the off season. Um I would think that Wells plays some catcher for sure. It's not like they have anybody else that's any good really, so no, it, it, the I question definitely is, do expect they get some of that the outside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's hard to say. I they could always sign somebody that they view as better if they want somebody that's more stable. Um, because with these kids, you have a lot of volatility, and it's hard to say what you're going to get. But um, as of now, I don't know why they wouldn't play most of them. I don't really consider as Oswaldo Cabrera in that group because I just don't think he's very good but yeah the other ones I think are or at least have the chance to be pretty good and I think they're going to want to see them at some various points throughout the year but they may be guys that are sent down if they're struggling or you know kind of fluid and moving up and down stuff like that um you know bring up Stanton <laughs> I didn't even bring him up. Jeez. Um what what do you want me to what do you want to discuss? Let me just uh, he, he 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 sucks. Yes, he's terrible. Like yeah, like and I actually I was kind of hoping you would phrase it just like you put it in here. Like um Did I put a question in there on Stanton? Well, you you just had in here like Dominguez. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. So DH with Stanton on the squad. I mean, Stanton like, don't get me wrong. He could still run into a pitch and hit it 450 feet. Um, but it's literally like the only good thing that he does anymore. And he doesn't do it as much as he used to. Can't stay healthy. Sucks in the field. Doesn't run well. I mean, what did he hit? 191 this season? I think he had a negative. I'm pretty sure he had a negative war. And I think in the last two seasons combined. Yeah. 1.2 war in 22 and negative 0.8 war in 23. So 89 WRC plus 0.4 war in two seasons combined. Um, I mean, I, I, I do think that if he played, for an entire year or say 130 to 140 games, he could still hit a lot of home runs, but I don't know if he's going to be 
the type of guy. Well, one can he? I don't even think he can stay healthy for that long period. But two, even if he did, I just don't know if he's going to be given the opportunities like he has in the past. You know, we always have kind of was kind of assumed it, and he obviously has the big contract, but he isn't that good anymore. And I think you can make the argument that he's just terrible. Period. But yeah, I, I, I guess. I don't know if like next season that he's the type of guy that um, is necessarily locked into anything like not too many things would surprise me, I guess with him. The problem is how long they're still paying him. I just looked I know. it up. Do you have... Yeah. It's 27, I think 2020 yeah. 20, he's a free agent. Yeah. So they have four full seasons of him still. Like, oh, is it through? Is it through twenty seven or yeah, thirty two million in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. Oh yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty six, twenty nine million down to twenty five million in twenty twenty seven. Hey, there is a club option for twenty twenty eight at twenty five million too. You never know; they could pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the other thing I was curious because I know the whenever he was traded by Miami to the Yankees that. Miami was paying part of that contract, but just now pulled up on spot track and no, right now they're paying all of it, the Yankees. So I think whatever Miami was paying, they're not paying anymore. So that's yeah. all on the Yankees. That makes it a little harder to make a move too. Yeah. It's just such a, it's just a messy situation with him because he just doesn't really do anything well other than, occasionally hit one 450 feet like i said but it's i have big worries about paying big bodied guys who are entering their 30s that kind of money and i know he got it he got it after his mvp year i mean what is he now like 33 34 he is 33 i think yeah and he signed that deal after 2017 he'll be he'll be 34 next month so he's essentially 34 so he was 28 when he signed that deal but I just, yeah, I just, I get wary of taking on deals like that. I, I'll worry about the same thing for Judge, just with how many body injuries he's already dealing with. I mean, yeah, I think that this is probably their future with him at some point. Not saying in the near, near future. I mean, but I, I'm not ruling it out either because you pay these big bodied guys long contracts and they get, I mean, they can, they can get really ugly for a long time. So, but anyways. I mean, with them owing him that much back to Dominguez, if Dominguez can only play DH midway through the year, I I legitimately wonder if he's just stuck in the minors if he can't play in the outfield just because if even though Stanton is terrible. Well, I don't Stan, know. Stanton did play outfield this season. so He did. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. have it in front of me how many 31 games. 31 games in right, 32 yeah. in left. Yeah, I don't think um, – I think when Dominguez is ready, like when he's healthy enough to play, I think he'll play. How they sort it out, I, I don't know. But I think that once they decide he's ready and he's he can hit or however they're going to do it, I think that they'll get him in there. So that means you'll probably be willing to draft him in some draft and holds then, Dominguez? Uh, I don't know because I just don't know 
when? Yeah, it's just it's really hard to know. Not only well, a couple things. When he's going to be back, which is obviously the biggest question. And then there's just guessing. There's so much guesswork that goes into that because it's when he's going to be back. Um, and then you're also assuming they will allow him to play just because I'm saying that I think they will doesn't mean that they actually do it, but I, I think risk. they, yeah, I think they probably do. Um, and then when to draft a player like that, I, I just have a hard time with guys that I know are out for part of the year because injury, I can always say injuries will find you. You don't have to go out and find them, you know, because the minute you start doing that and then you get in a couple other injuries pop up and he's not back yet. And then all of a sudden you, you're running out of guys pretty quick, you know? So yeah, I'm not, I, he's not probably a guy I'm going to target in redraft, at least not until I know more, maybe once it gets to be February or March, if there's reports like he may be back by this day or this time frame or whatever, I, there's so much guesswork on it right now. I'm probably just avoiding him. Yeah. And to go my last comment, and then we'll move on. Bryce Harper didn't find his power stroke when he came back for the first month or two either. Right. Trevor story never did to where, yeah, I, I don't think I would be, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him all in draft and hold, but I bet he'll go sooner and I'm willing to take him <clears throat> just because of all the questions around him. All right. Last question yeah. with the Yankees. Around where does Carlos Rodon need to go in drafts for you to get in on him at that price? Uh, he went in my draft right now at the 10-11 turn, so 150. I think of that as like the Lucas Giolito spot from this last year, coming off of a terrible year. That 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 feels like exactly the Lucas Giolito spot. Yeah, I don't think I'll probably be drafting him there. I I would probably I don't know exactly, but later than that, a little bit later than that. Yeah, I think Giolito was one fifty to one sixty five, something like that. You see the pitching around him, so you you have a little more data than me. Yeah, the other the other pitchers um round ten that went ahead of him, Bieber, Merrill Kelly Give me the, I took, give me the guys going I, behind him since you're saying you'd take him. Later. Yeah, I'm gonna name, go. I'll name the I'll name the few that went behind him too. But Bieber, Merrill Kelly, I took Cease, Gavin Williams, Jordan Montgomery went just ahead of him, wow. and then behind him, uh, Mitch Keller, Jose Barrios, Christian Javier, Bailey Ober. Um. So yeah, yeah, I think I'm pushing him back now that I. Hearing those names, yeah, I would push him back some too. Yeah, I think just a little later than that for me. But, I mean, it could work out. I mean, Rodon has shown points in the past where he's been an ace. So, it, it definitely could work out. Yeah, but he had shoulder issues. He had, yeah, what was it, neck or knee? I think it was his knee. Knee issues at one point. Yeah, I think he, there he had all the, kinds of stuff. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got one last. Actually, no, we have two teams to go. Jeez, we're going long on this. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays won 99 games this last year. They spent $78 million this year, which is a franchise high for them. And if they kept the players with the pre-arb players at where they're projected to be around is $120 million. Now, 
Eric Nander, who's the president of baseball operations for the Rays, I read an article that said that they ha- he thinks that they have the money to spend more this next year with them winning and the players that they're paying produ- needing to pay producing. He thinks they can spend. Color me skeptical, and I talked about Tyler Glass now already about that two million two year thirty million dollar deal, and the I I'm skeptical because I remember us talking about this actually like three or four years ago about Blake Snell, and Blake Snell signed like a five year fifty million dollar deal where he made like five million a year for the first two or three years, and then it jumped to like fifteen to twenty million the last two years, and right whenever it was about to jump, that's when they moved him. And just feels very similar. So, yeah, I think I think Glassnow might get moved this off season. But the I will say that one of the problems is they have a lot of pitchers with blown out elbows right now. So they don't have the depth they probably had a couple of years ago. But I say that, and I yeah. remember questioning their depth a few years ago when they tri- made moves like that. So who knows? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a really good call with Glassnow. I can definitely see it too. I want to see him wearing Cardinal red this next, this next April. I I would totally love that. Um, most notable free agents this off season, Francisco Mejia and Robert Stevenson. And my first question for you is actually about Stevenson. Cause I know you really liked him and we're talking about getting in on him. And I can see why after digging into his numbers, he was electric this last year, 52 innings, 77 strikeouts, 16 walks, 3.1 ERA. This feels like someone might grab him and make him a closer this offseason. Yeah, possibly. I don't I really like him as a pitcher. I like what he did this year. There was a lot of there, there was multiple times in like late August, early September where I just hop on Twitter and it'd be like a gif of him and then I saw a couple different tweets of like last 300 batters faced whiff rate and he just blew every reliever out of the water it wasn't even it like wasn't even close i don't have the number in front of me the numbers but um or like last i think it might have been last 300 pitches thrown or something like that um and he was just way ahead of the field so i was kind of digging more into him and picked him up in a couple dynasty leagues and managed to hang on to him and to me, he's just an interesting reliever, but nothing more than that right now. Because I don't, I don't think that like just because he was that good, he's any more likely to get save opportunities, which is ultimately what you need to be a valuable reliever in fantasy. But I do think that he's an interesting spec to where if he was getting saves, I mean, you can see kind of quickly how it could shoot right up to the top of the of the closer ranks, you know, I mean, he's, it's kind of all there. At least it was this year. So I, I like him as a spec, but I don't think you can really consider him more than that yet. Yeah. It's a spec. You got to hope you, you want him to get signed by somewhere where they don't have like this dominant closer this off season. Where, like, don't go, don't go to the same place. Hater is also at, or, you know, one of those type of closers, Devin Williams, don't go to the Brewers, which. Yeah. And, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, moving to the next question, what do you think is most likely, Junior Junior Caminero starting the year in the minors or in the lineup in the majors in, on opening day next year? Opening day, I think 
right now I would put it at about uh, like 50, it's close to 50-50 if he starts in the majors or not. Even though he was on the playoff roster this year, you think that there it still could be 50-50? I, I think it's more likely probably that he is up, but it's it's close. It just depends on what they do in, in the offseason. But I think no matter what, he'll be up early if he's not up opening day and probably opening day. I, I worded it that way. I, I was thinking 60 to 65%, so I'm not much yeah. higher. <laughs> yeah, I'm not was... sitting here like, saying he's going to be up. Yeah, no, I I definitely think he's gonna be up. It's just opening day. It, sometimes it's not always exactly that, but yeah, um, I think he's definitely better than some of these guys penciled in on roster resource here, like Curtis Mead, Taylor Walls, Harold Ramirez. I'd easily take him over all those guys, and they're penciled into their lineup. So. Between. Yeah, I think I think he could. I I mean I think it's very possible he's one of their best hitters next season. Um. So yeah, I, if he's down, I don't think it's going to be for long at all. Where did he go in your draft that you're in right now? I drafted him. Oh, you did. Where did you take him? Round seventeen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I like that. Third like base. That. He's. He's my he's my corner, but I've got like Westberg's kind of a flex and kind of did that because I know Holiday could maybe not be up right away. Obviously, I'm going to backfill some with some guys. But, yeah, I, I just think he – I mean, he's going to play whether it's opening day or not is anybody's guess, but I think there's a chance that it is and I think he could be a really good hitter. So You know the upside, I think, of him – and this is going to sound a little gross because of what this player looked like the aura around this player today. But I think they had similar upsides whenever these two players debuted as Eloy Jimenez. I've thought of Eloy a lot with him in terms of one of those he's guys. Def- that, he's definitely more athletic. Yes. Than Eloy. Yes. Yeah. It's more yeah. statistically when I say that, like yeah. that 40 home run type bat who can, you know, has really good bat to ball skills, doesn't take as many walks as a typical like power hitter but i i just i feel that same type of vibe when i think of like what the upside statistically is yes he's definitely more athletic yeah. also yeah. is 99 or 99 percent of the athletes that come through the minor leagues yeah i also think with Caminero for fantasy next season uh one thing to think about is he so he's third base only going mm-hmm. into the year, um, at least in NFBC. I, he, they go off of what position you played the most if they're all under 20. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like three, two, one or something, you know. But my point, the reason I bring it up is I think he's the type of guy that could have multi-eligibility fairly early on like i think that he could play third base and shortstop um maybe they're going to play him a lot at shortstop and if he starts with third then you know he could have that corner infield middle infield which is really valuable 
Um, he could probably go over to first base if they needed to. Obviously, also, they? you don't. You never know. I mean, I don't know if they'll do that, but you never know. They, they're not. You know, you can't can't really expect them to have wandered anytime soon. So no. they're gonna need. Um, they're they don't really have like an everyday shortstop anymore. You know, so and I don't know if it's him, but he at least could play there some. So yeah, I think point. he. I think he could have like sec- even second base, shortstop, third base, uh, just move him around and keep his bat in the lineup, you know, type of thing. Where he's by like June, he's triple eligible and hopefully hitting. But um, no reason to think he won't do that. Just just thinking about eligibility because he's just third base going into the year. I'm gonna guess that round 16 ADP or round 16 you got him in. I bet that ADP keeps, seventeen. I bet that keeps going up around seventeen as we get through this off season. But yeah, you just sold me on him. I already liked it right away. I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And the, yeah, I've kind of been. That, I like it better. I've kind of been looking at these young guys. Like my last five picks or so, I've taken mostly young guys, and I've just been thinking about. It's not. I don't. I'm not just blindly taking young guys. I mean, I think these guys are going to play. But I'm also just thinking about wanting to get ahead of it because I, I do think that – I mean, I already saw a draft for next year where Jackson Holiday went in round eight. And I got him in round 16. So I'm already just thinking, like, there's probably going to be a point pretty soon where these guys are just shooting way up. Mm-hmm. And then if I am still in, I'll make that decision at that time. But I would rather – just kind of buy in on some of these guys when I'm in this range of the draft for now. And that's kind of why I'm doing it. So, you know, part of it, but I mean, it's, I do think they're going to play as well, obviously, or else I wouldn't take them there. So. Yeah. Good stuff. I, you've sold me. All right. Last question with Tampa, who goes first in 2024, Josh Lowe or Randy or And who do you like better? Rosarena, clearly for me, and yeah, I think he'll go higher. I would rather have him. Yeah. Do you think their ADP like did they go close in your draft right now? Uh, Rosarena went round three, and Josh Lowe went in round seven. I was actually, I thought I would be on this full fate of Josh Lowe, but when he went, it was, it was like the right spot. I felt like. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about him when he went. But same with the Rosarena. Like, I was thinking about him when he went, you know, because he's obviously been good for several years now. So, yeah, I would clearly take a Rosarena ahead of him. But, yeah, I mean, these these guys on these good teams and good lineups, it's just so valuable to have. Like, that was one thing with my main event team was I had – at one point, I think I had three or four Rays and like three or four Dodgers, mm-hmm. and my runs and RBI and counting, my, like just my counting stats, were so strong. Um, and it was like if one of them was out and the other one was playing, you know, almost just like, almost like a handcuff type situation for more more so for the marginal guys, but like I had Low and Siri and Paredes and you know just a lot of that even Luke Rayleigh for a bit and uh yeah it's like when one guy's out the other one's in type of thing kind of hoping to do that with the Orioles infielders here that's but a good idea when this draft we'll see 
So I'm glad you're saying there's a four round difference, and I think that's fitting. That that fits. I didn't expect it to be that big of a gap, which this is just one draft because of the 2030 that Josh Lowe just did, and the the caution I like with him is something I've heard you complain about a lot this year, which is when they're facing a lefty, most of the time he's not starting. And yeah. the two categories that get overlooked a lot more when you're looking at statistics and players, a lot of times it can be the runs in RBI. And there is a good almost, I think, 20 to 30 difference between the two players. And that's because a Rosarena plays every day and Josh Lowe doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah, good. that's the tough. That's the tough part. I mean, obviously, Josh Lowe was great against right hand right handers, and probably will be good against them again next year. But like, he just has to be because he doesn't even really get the shot against lefties too nope. much. So, um, there's no reason. The Rays have shown no reason to change any of that. He's not going to play against lefties, and it's just kind of a disadvantage, you know. Like they have a week where. It's three or four lefties out of seven, and it's just kind of hard to use him. I mean, this year it wasn't that hard of a decision because he was so productive. Like, he could have one. I remember there was a period or two this year where they had, like, one righty on a weekend, and I just used him because I didn't – my other option wasn't great. And he, like – there was one time he, like, homered and stole a base. (laughs) You know, it's just – he was just so good. But if any of that slips a little bit, I just think it could be even more frustrating because, you know, he's, like I said, just not getting the at-bats against lefties. You know, as a Kyle Manzardo dynasty owner, I was glad to see him moved, and that was one of the reasons. They just don't like, like, I get nervous about lefties coming up through them just because of that right there. You just almost know that if you're a lefty coming up, you're not going to play every day. Yeah, I don't. The, o- the only thing, the only good thing, though, I guess, I mean, if you want to shine good light on it, is he Josh Lowe did bat two ninety two. Yep. And if he hit against lefties for the whole year, he probably hit would have hit like two fifty five or two sixty. You know, so it's like Jock Peterson. You want him to sit because you're yeah, not good against him. There's a point where. Yeah, it probably it just makes more sense, but you know, you just take the good with the bad. All right, last team here, Toronto Blue Jays. They won 89 games this year with a 218 million dollar payroll. They have a lot of money coming off the books. These are the p- players that are free agents that um, salaries that are off. Hyunjin Ryu at 20 million, Matt Chapman's 12.5 million, Belt made 9.3 million this year, Kiermaier made 9 million. And Whit Merrifield made $6.75 million this year, and he's got an $18 million mutual option. So not sure if that's going to get picked up there. So they have money to spend this winter if they want to. And the question I keep asking, what does Toronto need to do this winter to remain a contending-level team? They have some holes with these free agents, and they need a starting pitcher four at least. I mean, they've got Kikuchi still in there so or i i should say starting pitcher five they got kikuchi but they need they need another yeah i man it just felt like such a down year for this team and they made the playoffs which was impressive but like vlad down year Bo down year yeah just banged up i mean kirk alejandro kirk was 
bad for most of the year. Got better in the second half, but um, Chapman you know, Springer, was dreadful in Spring, the second half. Yeah, Chapman was bad really after April. Springer fell off some. I mean, just up and down the team. It was just kind of messy, and yet they still made the playoffs. A testament to how talented they are. But um, yeah, I mean, I think. You could probably go through all 30 teams that I would say add a pitcher for almost any of them because you just can't ever have too much of that. Uh, So I definitely would say that applies for Toronto especially. Um, Yeah, I mean, the lineup is, is good. I think the lineup probably is better overall next year, even if they just kept the exact same guys because so many of them just seem to have down seasons like Bo and Vlad. I mean, they're, they gotta be better next year. Right. I mean, you would think, just, well, Bo, I think yeah, Bo was pretty just, good when he played, wasn't he? But it wasn't, it he, more was, just he was fine. Yeah. It, that's what I mean. Just in ju- just the complete package. Um, I don't know. Yeah. They, they were just all right. I don't know. It just seemed so underwhelming to me, but I don't know. Maybe my expectations were too high. Uh, could be it yeah they i think they're going to need to fill some holes with hitters that's one thing they're going to have to do but on the same note they've also they've also got to have some flexibility to do to do that and you know it's easier to fill with hitters and pitchers yeah i agree oh and manoa manoa too oh Oh lord (laughs) i didn't even write him down or even think about him in terms of guys that went wrong like you i don't think there's any way you can bank on like he's you got to look at him. It's just an added bonus if he gives you anything I, at this point. I am so curious to see where he gets drafted. You mean like he hasn't just, been drafted yet? <laughs> oh no, no. Got a while. He's near. Um, oh yeah, he's near the top of the draft room, but but it's that's all going out of order. Last year, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Well, it's it's all out of order, and there's guys that are hurt, and yeah, but yeah, I'm just really curious because. There will come that point, but, oh, man, it was a bad year for him. So with the pitching on that end, they've got those four guys. They do need to get somebody to be a fifth because I don't think, like, but my second question is, like, should they, like, go after somebody who's a, like, this is this can be a guy for the full year or maybe one of those fringe kind of guys because they do have an electric arm in the in their minors. That's I think he pitched in AAA at the very end of the year just to keep him warm, just in case. And that'd be Ricky Tiedemann. I think he was in AAA. I'm not certain on that. But do you try to keep a roster spot for him open for him, or at least warm, or are you trying to acquire an arm this winter because and just go on and just you know have him more be the sixth guy? And just kind of be one if they have an injury, being the added bonus, kind of like yeah. I just said with Manoa. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably the route. I mean, you can't count on him to go like for a whole season, so I think it's probably better if he's like the first man up after an injury or something like that. I mean, I don't I don't ever mind with the pitching. I've mentioned this numerous times, but especially the last couple of years with some of these rules. And I, I don't 
ever mind if you want to just put your best pitchers in the majors. I mean, I remember thinking going into this past season that Tiedemann could help their bullpen like opening day of this past season. Even if, you know, you don't want to start him for the whole year. So maybe you could start it that way and slowly build him up and then have him be a starter for part of the year, too. I, I don't think there's any way that Tiedemann's starting games for the major league team all season. He can't. But I mean, he threw forty two yeah. innings this year. Right. And I think the year before he threw seventy wasn't that many either, right? Was it yeah. 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 So I th- I personally would probably say similar to what I said last year with him. I would put him in the pen to start, manage him that way. That way he's still helping the major league team. A left a lefty that's electric in the pen is never hurting. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not hurting anything. And then when somebody gets hurt in the rotation or however you want to play it, whenever you feel like you want to build his innings up, you can like slowly do that. And then he makes a few starts or, you know, however you just kind of decide on the innings beforehand. You obviously want to be careful with him, but I think that it's good to have him doing that in the majors. And I think a lot of times these teams will do that stuff in the minors. And then it's like, They'll have a setback or this or that'll happen. And it's like, just let him help the major league team because he obviously is good enough to do that. So I would personally probably play it that way, but I I think they still should. I still think they should go after a pitcher. I agree. And I like that. I love the idea of just putting him in the pen. Let him, I mean, first half of the year, just have him thrown in the pen, get 30 innings in. Maybe in the yeah. second half, then all of a sudden you can start putting him in there and throwing four or five innings to start, and he'd be he could be electric. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that he can't be a starter long term or anything like that. You just kind of slowly, uh, slowly work it, you know. But there, my God, I mean, he could he could close for that team if they wanted him to. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, it's just there's a lot of avenues with that guy and a lot of wide yeah. ranges of where he could end up, but huge upside. That's for sure. I was just about to say he's got the best upside in the minors, but I forgot there's a guy named Paul Skeens down there. So never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but it's not, I, I mean, upside wise, it's yeah, probably he's, not, he's, he's, he's there. there. Yeah. But no doubt. All right. Uh, are you a believer in Elvis Martinez? He, I know you were a couple years ago. Um, struck out like crazy early in the season, but he really righted the ship in Double A, and then had a good run in Triple A. He had 28 home runs in 125 games between the two levels. Cut the strikeout rate in a big way in the minors. After like, I think it was over 40 percent early in the year, and I mean, by the time he was done in double A, it was down to 20, which really impressed me that he made that good of adjustments. So do you think he's good enough to be an everyday player for this team? Yeah, he definitely had a really good bounce back season. Some people were writing him off and, uh, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were, it was fairly common, but it's only 21, God, it seems like he's been around a long time, but I guess some of these international guys, they're so young when they sign that you just, they're like household names in there. It's just funny. He's 21. Yeah. But, I, uh, I remember you talking about him before I quit fantasy baseball two years ago and came back last year. Like, I remember you talking about, like, it does feel like it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I think he could be. Um, I don't think the reports on his defense are very good, so kind of wonder where he will fill in defensively into just into the lineup. But I would assume that he gets a shot next season at some point. So, yeah, I think I think it's possible he works his way into an everyday role, especially if he hits. Do you think he could start the year with one? Chapman Chapman is a free agent. Free agent, yeah. He's off the books. And I was so, trying to and is I wit. was trying to look. I was trying to look and see what what position. Arelvis played last last year in the minors, but my thing's not loading. So, like, what he played the most, you know, I like looking at the breakdown of where do you because I think that? you can. I look at it on MILB, okay. Like under fielding, if you go under fielding, it'll tell you how many games they played, and I like looking at that because I think it gives you some insight to where they could play when they come up. Uh, because they move around a lot in the minors. I mean, these guys, they, they, there's so many players that you can click on, and they, they've played this many games at first base, and this many games at third base, and this many games th. You know, it's just, it seems like there's a ton of it in the minor leagues. But I'm not positive on Aurelvis's, um position that he played much this year. So, okay. So yeah, they're they're I was trying to look it up. There's opportunities. I mean, Witt's gone and, or I shouldn't say Witt's gone, but Witt might be gone and Chapman might be gone. So that's second and third base opportunities there for him. Yeah. Okay. One last bonus question here on um, Toronto while you're looking that up. Is Danish, is Davis, David Schneider, is he, is it David or Davis? I wrote Davis. Davis. It is Davis. Davis. Okay. Is he Frank Schwindel version 2.0? The only correct answer here is yes. uh... That's some slander there. I'm not going to be a part of. No, I don't. I don't have a strong opinion on him. I. I think it's just crazy that he ever has become relevant. Really. Uh huh. It it feels very similar to me. Now, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But I mean, what he did there at the end of this year felt very similar to what I remember Schwindel doing two years ago. And Schwindel, I was part of my championship in RM2 at the end of that year. So. I always have fond feelings to Schwindel, and Schwindel brought you Ellie De La Cruz in a deal, so he's gonna—he's a guy I think you will always think fondly of. But yeah, um, yeah, Arelvis, real quick, Arelvis played forty-three games at short, thirty-six at third, and. 21 at DH. And then it looks like when he went to or in AAA, he played 26 at second base. So he moved all around. Yeah, all around. I think second base might, if he's not good, a, a good defender, second base might be the landing spot. Because, yeah, that's an open spot right yeah. there. I, th- I don't think Witt's going to be back. And if so, yeah, that's, that. I mean, who knows? They could even start him in the year there. Something yeah. to watch. Yeah, it's hard hard to say exactly. But, I mean, if you can play a few positions, that helps your case, too. Um, like yeah, I said, I've always, I've always felt like I've heard negative stuff on his defense, but I don't know enough about it to comment too much. 
That's a good draft and hold target, I think. That's an interesting one if you can grab him. And I don't. I he... saw him. I want to say I saw him in one draft, like one of these early. I think he went in like round 50, 49 or 50. Oh, man. Yeah. Like right at the end. I think. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, I want to say I was looking at one, and I think that's where he was at, like right at the very, very end, I think. Yeah, I could see myself getting in, taking him well before that, actually. I think, but I mean, again, I haven't done any of these drafts yet, but I think that's a good pick. Okay, we did it. We just went for a while talking about the AL East because it's, you know, there's a lot of interesting teams in that division and you and I know how to talk. (laughs) So that's good stuff. We went for a while, so I'm going to close this and get out of here pretty quick. I appreciate you all listening. And when we get back next week, we'll either carry on with the next division We'll talk about Andrew's draft and hold. We'll decide about that in the next week. But until then, thanks for listening and take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 